0: Being my last message um, uh, as social minister, I um, I had hoped um, I had hoped to sort of bring in a special offering today. Um, I don't know if I chickened out. I don't know if um, uh, I felt as though I didn't have the athletic or skill or ability to pull it off. Um, not sure if I ran out of time, but um, you. There's a a way in which you could receive this offering. It just requires you to exercise your reading. And I would have said, hey, St Marks, I've got a special offering for you today. I would have run behind those curtains. I would have taken off a few items of clothing. I would have come out in my bicycle pants. Um, Now, I would have had some shorts on, because some people like walking around in their bicycle pants. But i will probably have some shorts on on top of that, and and my Bonds uh, T-shirt, and and my uh, fluorescent orange headband. And um, while I was coming up out to bring you this offering, some of our keyboardists like Courtney and Hilary and Roger and Ali, they would have gathered behind the keyboards. Now you're thinking that's four keyboardists and there's only two keyboards, but wait, you've got to listen, you've got to picture this. It would have been this amazing montage, this just different genres mashing up against each other. In one moment there'd be a classical piece being played and then in the next moment there'd be an Irish jig and then the next moment there'd be, there'd be some pop song and it would just be this amazing mash. And of course what would I be doing? I'd be doing some interpretive dance for you. <laughs> and and as each genre changes, in one moment I'd be doing an entourage. And, and then in the next moment, in the next moment, Michael Flatley, Lord of the Dance. And then in the next moment, moonwalking across the stage. Oh, yeah. And, and you, it would have been an amazing, epic performance. And when I say epic, it would have gone for a minute and a half before I got puffed. I won't be doing the Puffing Billy run next week. Um, but an epic performance. You would have been blown away, astounded. But then of course there'd be this moment where you'd go, what? What why was that? Why? And of course, I just I just walk off the stage silently. And then Jim would come and bring us our reading today. And then as he brings you that reading, immediately you're just like, oh, the offering. The road to Emmaus, of course makes perfect sense." I can see by some of the blank faces. I will actually have to deliver this sermon um, because it doesn't quite make sense to you. But um, this story, we have lost the ability to read the scriptures, especially narrative, especially story, with the dramatic flair with which it's been written. Luke is writing with this amazing, dramatic flair. We don't pick up on it. We don't read it. We don't use our imaginations. But think about it. He's writing this story, two strangers, not two strangers, two disciples walking on the road. A stranger comes up. Now, you're immediately let in. You know who the stranger is, but they don't know. The two main characters in this story don't know, but you know. So you're now going... When are they going to discover? How's Jesus going to do this? Are they going to get it? So you're drawn into the story. And you're supposed to be drawn into the story. Now I've entitled this message, Do You Want to Dance? Now, it it, it might better fit or better suit, or it might um, manage to attract a greater audience if it was something like, do you want to walk with me? Because at least twice in the first few verses, it talks about walking. Um, As they talked and discussed these things that had happened, these disciples, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. So he walked along with them, Uh, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? Maybe the title should have been, do you want to walk with me? But I'm going to maintain that it should be, do you want to dance? Do you want to dance? Now, again, you think, well, is this one of those messages where as Christians we're supposed to be just full of joy all the time, skipping along, life's great? Anyone that knows me or well knows me well enough knows that I'm quite a serious person, and probably Viv would know the moment that I stop being silly in the house, stop being silly with our boys. Sometimes they put their music on, I, I might not always like their music, but then I start doing some interpretive dance to it and I keep going and I go harder and harder and, and the boys purposely choose not to laugh. Like, why are they gonna laugh at their dad? Their dad's not funny. So they purposely choose so I just dance harder and harder. I see a small smirk on their face. Um, the moment I stop being silly and funny, then there's something wrong. With me. This life will have its struggles, this life will have its difficulties. It is hard. Jesus didn't lie to us, He said, In this life you will have trouble. But I maintain that this passage is an invitation to dance, it is an invitation to dance. And I'm going to suggest to you that the invitation to dance doesn't even come when we feel good. It sometimes comes in our darkest and hardest moments. So here's the invitation, and it comes. What are you discussing together as you walk along? What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. So, the invitation to dance hasn't come when things are good. The invitation to dance has come when their faces are downcast. They'll go on and they'll say more. They'll say, Are you the only one that doesn't know these things that have happened? What things? What things? Tell me about these things. The initial steps, the initial steps to this dance with Jesus is just sharing with Jesus. That's the initial steps. You might not be jumping up and down with joy, but you are beginning to dance when you take these initial steps. Quite often, Jesus' first questions, and his question, uh, sometimes God asks these questions, and they're so piercing that they open you up. But quite often... And sometimes I have those moments in my quiet times, but quite often in my moment-to-moment, day-by-day experience, the questions are the most ordinary ones. How are you going, Jerome? What's, What's going on? What's the matter? What are these things that are bothering you? It just starts there, and I have the choice to take these initial steps. Sometimes I'll avoid them, and I'll go and tell everybody else but God. I just, want, I just want to maybe, somebody to indulge my frustration, my struggles, to hear with sympathy, and a good Christian friend will do that, they will listen, they will empathise, but if they're allowing the Spirit of God to speak, they may also then lovingly just draw your eyes above your situation to look beyond that. But these initial steps, Jesus just comes and he asks us these simple questions. And in these simple questions, as we start to answer, we're going to be tempted not to answer, especially if it's to God, because we're used to the fact that, well... Whatever our struggles, whatever our challenges, we assume, well, he's God and so, you know, I'm sure there's this answer. I'm sure I'm supposed to get up and sort myself out and so we don't want to talk to God about that. If you take these initial steps, you've got to be okay with looking like a fool. You've got to be okay that God will expose something that you might not want to hear and you might look foolish. Um, In 2019, we're looking at the book of Job. Here and um, there's a point where there's a big shift in the story, and in chapter 38, um, this is what God says to Job. Sorry, I haven't got. I can just read it off there. Then the Lord spoke out to, uh, out of, uh, spoke to Job out of the storm. He said, "Who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you, and you shall answer me." Now, I'm not going to liken that to necessarily this story, only to say that it's the questions, the questions that God asks us that initiate this dance that will lead to joy. They will lead to joy. The beginning of these questions might be painful, and might be hard, but they will lead to joy. What are these things Jesus asks them? Oh, the things about Jesus of Nazareth, don't you know? He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and the people. Our chief priests, they handed him over to be crucified. We had hoped. We had hoped. These are people whose faces are downcast and their hope has been lost. They had hoped. That's who Jesus is speaking to. Every single day, your hope your belief is under attack. Every day you have hopes. You have beliefs. Our beliefs as Christians are under attack every day. Is Jesus the one who, who's really going to bring us life in abundance? That's what he said. Is he? Is that where you experience, life in abundance? Every day our beliefs and our hopes are under attack. We had hoped He was the one to redeem Israel. We had hoped. But it's interesting. They even have other facts on top of that. They say, we've heard this morning, some women amazed us with these stories that the tomb was empty. In fact, they said they saw angels or a vision of angels who said that he's been raised from the dead. Now, this doesn't restore their hope. They're just befuddled. They're puzzled. They still can't understand because they had a picture of the Messiah. They had a picture of how things were supposed to be. We have a picture of how the Christian faith is supposed to be. We have a picture of how we might think churches should look. We have a picture. We had hoped. And sometimes we even know the stories. We we understand with our head up. what there's an empty tomb, vision of angels, Jesus has been raised. I don't get it. I don't understand. But if we engage in this stance, if we take these initial steps and we just start sharing with Jesus, we move on to the next step. These are the progressive steps. So you've had the initial steps of sharing with Jesus. The progressive steps is now to let Jesus lead. Let him take the lead. You've shared. Now let him have a chance to speak. How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? How foolish you are. I promise you, God loves you and delights in you when he uses those words. He does so with such love and affection in his hearts. Don't you know God? There's so much to do. My health, I can't... Oh, there's my health and there's things to do. And there's the expectation. Viv and I, we're stepping up to take a senior role. I don't need to ask Andrew to know what awaits me. I have eyes. I know what leaders have to bear. They can't get up and tell you about their week exactly in all its fullness, they bear they hold they hold the expectations the the many expectations which they can't possibly fulfill and when they fulfill some they will most definitely disappoint others there is much that awaits us am i excited yeah i am am i apprehensive oh yes i am i'm scared i'm worried i'm frustrated oh Jerome how foolish you are. Have you not remembered? I have said to you, "Come to me, or you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. I didn't ask you to do this by yourself. I told you I'd never leave you or forsake you. Yes, I am the one who is going to bring you life and life in abundance. Yes, you'll bear much. Yes, there'll be trouble. Yes, there'll be difficulty. You will be, people will be disappointed in you. And yes, you will make big mistakes. But I am with you. Don't you see this is all part of my plan? You've asked for this. You said you wanted to grow up. This is how. Come further, come deeper with me. These are the progressive steps. We start to listen to Jesus. But Jesus has been raised, he's ascended, he's with his Father, but he promised he wouldn't leave his disciples alone. In John chapter 14, verse 26, he says, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. And in sixteen thirteen, he says, But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. And Jesus' truth, Jesus' words, will restore hope. When you are hopeless, when you are beaten and battered, if you can enter this dance with Jesus... Take those initial steps and start sharing and then move to the progressive steps where you listen to him speak. Speak afresh the words you already know. He brings it back into your mind and into your heart and he shows you how it's relevant to your very circumstance right now. What are you afraid of? What are you scared of? Am I not the one who stills the waters? You think I can't still this? What are you afraid? of failing, of ridicule, of people's wrath and anger against you. You look at me. You keep your eyes fixed on me. I delight in you. I will watch over you. He will bring his words through the power of his spirit. He will bring them to refresh you, to restore your hope, to make sense. And all of a sudden, the very basic story of the gospel will make sense. Your joy will be restored. I have a high view of the word um, in in corporate worship. Um, I understand that in some uh, places in the church it can become a form of idolatry, the way we handle the word, the way we might travel kilometres because our favourite preacher preaches over there. These are forms and expressions. Ignore the forms and expressions. Look for the content of what's being brought to you. God's word, the form and expression in which it comes does not matter. If you want to hear God, he will speak. Every time God's people gather, his word is being spoken and it will bring hope. It will restore your hope. In 2019, we were looking at books like Job and Jeremiah, I think even Ecclesiastes. There were some really difficult books of the Bible. And then when I look at 2020, I think, was God preparing us? Was He preparing us to engage in our faith in difficult times, in difficult situations, to know how to lament, to know to understand God understands our suffering, our pain, our isolation, our difficulties? Was He preparing us that year? When we did a theme of the Holy Spirit, I genuinely felt God calling me into something deeper. He He wanted me to know how very close He was. And I genuinely felt I grew in that year, that we had a whole year looking at the Holy Spirit. And then when we looked at the kingdom of God, was God preparing Viv and I and our church to think about how God's kingdom actually operates? so that we would have eyes to show others. What are, people, what are people filled with in our times? They're filled with worry and anxiety. They see all these difficult issues in life which seem to be divisive, dividing our communities and societies. And yet when we read the scriptures, it says that God's kingdom is growing, the wheat and the weeds. Some people's eyes are fixed on the weeds, and yet it says the wheat is growing and there will be a harvest. And from little things, God grows great things. In that year, we were looking at the kingdom of God. Am I being prepared as a minister to lead others, to help people to see this kingdom, even when the pews might be empty? God's speaking. If we want to take these progressive steps, he'll speak. Sorry, that was the scriptures before. But then we move on to the advanced steps. And the advanced steps is when we start to dance with Jesus. But every step of the way, from the initial steps to the progressive steps to the advanced steps, it is our choice. We've entered a relationship of love. How far and how deep we go is up to us. Thank you, St. Mark's. I have grown in these five years. I'm not always good at noticing it. I actually genuine, gen, generally, I'm always looking at what's missing. I always feel like I haven't grown, I haven't done what I, I haven't achieved what I wanted, I haven't accomplished what I would have liked. But I've had to reflect and let God speak, and I have grown. And I say, "Thank you, St. Marks." And this might be sad for you, but I, I, I do believe the next congregation will get something better. Sorry. <laughs> Um, But that is thanks to you. This has been the context in which God chose to grow me up. But I had to dance. I had to make decisions to go further and deeper. And all along the way, I didn't know I was taking them because most of the time I felt like I was failing. I wasn't sure. Is this working? Is ministry working? Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Are people disappointed? I wasn't sure, all I knew was that God was calling me to go deeper and further with him. And when you do choose to go deeper and further with him, your vocation becomes clearer and clearer. I would never have wanted to be a senior minister, I would have been happy being an associate for a much longer time. But if you do go deeper and further, your vocation and your sphere of influence will increase. And some of you might go, well, maybe I won't go deeper and further. (laughs) But this is why the title is, Do You Want to Dance? Because God's ultimate purpose is to set your feet a-dancing, to fill your heart with joy, to give you fullness of life. This is his desire. The path is difficult. There will be obstacles. And there'll be greater opposition if you take this journey. But your heart will never be satisfied if you don't. And I have experienced that. I've been one of the most, un, most reluctant Christians and reluctant Christian ministers. I have fought every step of the way to stay back as much as I can. Because I know what awaits But I fail to understand the invitation. It is to dance. Let there be no doubt it is to dance. If you choose not to go dance too much, maybe just a little dance. You know, have you seen people worship? Some of us tap our feet. Some of us are dancing in our hearts. We just don't want to in front of other people. I don't care whether what you're physically doing, I don't care, but, but God is to set your hearts a dancing in fullness, in absolute fullness. The kitchen is my dance floor, uh, usually when no one's at home. <laughs> Music goes up loud. And in those moments, God is saying, and sometimes I do that when I am most down, because my hope needs to be restored Jerome, dance. Dance before me. But why dance? Why? He explains to them that this was supposed to happen. This was all part of God's plan. But this is, this is the part where I say it is actually up to you. It is your choice. And God wants you to know it's your choice each step of the way. How far, how deep you go, that's up to you as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. The Greek almost, it's almost like he pretended. And I think when I hear that, I'm like, Ugh, that sounds a bit deceptive of God. Does, God. does God deceive people? He pretended as if he was going a bit further, just checking to see if he'll get an invite. He pretended? He acted as if? I think it's important when God relates to us, he may know our hearts. See, I know that Jesus already knows their hearts are burning. He knows that when he was speaking to them, their hearts were burning. But I think it's important for God to let us know that it is our choosing still. So Jesus acts as if he's still going and they urge him strongly, stay with us for it is nearly evening, the day's almost over. So he went in to stay with them. They invited him in. We have to invite him into our hearts every step of the moment. That choice is up to us, but we will never be satisfied. And so you can live in this world facing your troubles and struggles, but without the fullness of heart that God wants to give you. Or you could face those struggles and tribulations, and they may even be worse, but your heart will be full. You won't feel like oh, I haven't seen the Leaning Tower of Pisa, but when the new heavens and the new earth come, it won't matter how much travel you've done. It won't matter whether you've achieved the Australian dream, as Andrew spoke about. Those things won't matter. Your heart will be full. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, he stood on the table he proceeded to do a triple backflip and landed it without even knocking anything over. Then their eyes were opened and they recognised him. And he disappeared. Oh, sorry, I was reading from the JD translation. Um, When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognised him. That was his signature move. Not the triple backflip, the breaking of the bread. That was his signature move. They had seen that. They'd seen that before. And their hearts had already been burning. You can only see as far as you believe. Their eyes were kept from recognising him. The scriptures tell us that. They tell us that with a few um, resurrection stories. Their eyes were kept from recognising him. His glorified body might have been harder to perceive or understand. But I think there's also something else. We can only see as far as we can believe. They had hoped that Jesus was the Messiah. When Jesus restored their hope, it became possible again that this person who was crucified could still be their Messiah, the one who came to save. When their hope and their belief was restored, they could see. God wants us to see further so that we will go further. We gather together to be built up. We gather together to have our hope renewed, restored, so that we can see further. Because then what happened? They got up and returned at once. And I'm sure they were dancing. Henry Nowen. He said, the world says, when you were young, you were uh, were dependent. You could not go where you wanted, but when you grow old, you will be able to make your own decisions, go your own way, and control your own destiny. But Jesus has a different vision of maturity. It is the ability and willingness to be led where you would rather not go. If you really want to grow up, sometimes you will go places where you do not want to go. Why would you choose that? Because it's an invitation to dance, I promise you. I was thinking, what word then would I, you know, if I were to finish, what word is it that would help you to see that it is an invitation to dance? It's the word that He is alive. The more you meditate on that and understand all of its significance, Will you fear death? Jesus is alive. Do you, do you fear or worry about your failures and your wrongs? Jesus is alive. Are you worried about this broken world? Which sometimes feels like it's tearing itself apart? Jesus is alive. Your dreams are shattered? Jesus is alive. There is a new heavens and a new earth. They got up at once. They couldn't wait to bear witness. And there was going to be more in store for them, more difficulties, more troubles, but they would be dancing their way into the gates and through the gates of heaven. Thank you, St Mark's, for journeying with me, enabling me to dance, giving me the opportunity to. Um, Thank you for helping me to grow up. My word to you is for you to continue to grow up too. Go deeper, go further. He's inviting you to dance with him. I know we all step aside at times. I know that we all don't go as far as we ought. But at every moment, he gives you a new opportunity. There was a thief on a cross. And you're thinking, he's at the end of his life. Even then, there's an opportunity to bear witness. His story is there in the scriptures now of what that thief did, bore witness Lord God, thank you. Thank you for the invitation to dance. Set our feet a dancing for you, for your glory and for our joy. Amen.